Welcome to the podcast, People More Interesting Than Me. I'm your host, Michael Strumsky, where every week I host a new guest with unique professions, personal adversity, or even maybe a strong opinion or two. And if you haven't hit the five stars review on Apple Podcasts, please hit it now before you forget. Running a podcast is a surprising amount of work, and more reviews converts into a wider range of future guests. This week, I have the privilege of welcoming a remarkable individual whose resilience and strength have shaped her into the inspiring person she is today. Our guest, whose identity remains anonymous for her protection, will bravely share her story of surviving a childhood plagued by both physical and mental abuse. Her voice has been altered to ensure her safety and privacy. Throughout this episode, we will delve deep into her past, shedding light on the harrowing experiences she endured and how she managed to find the inner strength to escape the cycle of abuse. Her story is not just a testament to the indomitable human spirit, but also serves as a reminder of the urgent need for awareness and action against abuse in all of its forms. By sharing her story, our guest aims to empower others who may have experienced similar situations, letting them know that they are not alone and that there is hope for a brighter future. Her resilience will serve as an inspiration for anyone who has faced adversity or seeks to create a more compassionate and supportive society. So where, where are you originally from? I don't think Kara's ever told me that. Elmira, New York. Oh, is that it's, like north or south? It's like 30 minutes into from like the PA border. It's um, near Ithaca. Okay. Or Binghamton. There's another big city in that area. When you say Ithaca, I think of uh, the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, so we're about 30 minutes from um, the PA border and um, near Corning, New York. If you've ever heard of like Corning Incorporated or Corning Glass. Yes, I, I know them. I I I invested a long time ago in them just because mm-hmm. I knew that they were pairing that up with like funny. iPhone and yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Um, and then yeah. I watched Blown Away. Have you ever seen the show Blown Away? They blow glass on Netflix. Yeah. And yeah. So they have the Corning Museum of Glass there. We would go like all the time. Corey and I have blown glass like hundreds of times. It's just like kind of normal for us that we forget that other people not seen like people blow glass and like. You can go get live shows there and you can blow your own glass. We um every year like you can go and blow pumpkins and like get your own little pumpkins. So Man, I should hang out with you guys just because I've always wanted to blow glass and we've looked around here and there's like a place in Maryland and then there's a place near here, but I think it was closed for COVID for a while. Yeah. I think ever since I went to Seattle, there's a Chaluli mm-hmm. uh exhibit. Mm-hmm. You've been to that one? No, but I heard it. Okay. It, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, I, I don't, it's probably not as good as the Corning Museum just because it's funny when you think about Corning, it's probably like you think about like all those people who like NASCAR is yes. to like Ford and those people and they just do that for like yeah. fun. Right. And, and Corning is like, we make all our money through like exactly. fiber optics and like mm-hmm. iPhones and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that's actually funny that you said that because it's also like a, where I'm used to being is like the, the racetracks up there in Watkins Glen. Like that's where I grew up as right on Seneca Lake. Okay. And uh I guess what I guess what was your family dynamic with first were growing up, I guess? 
Yeah. Um, so initially, like when my first like memories, when I think back, um, we had like this nice house in um, West Elmira and it was this beautiful single family home with like a fenced in yard and um, my stepdad and myself and my sister lived there. And then my mom got pregnant with my brother. Um, and I don't really have any memories without my stepdad because he came into my life when I was like very young, two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I mean, the only thing that I can really remember was how much I loved being there across the street was my um, school librarian. And so I would go over to her house and we would sit on her porch and watch the hummingbirds. And we were two blocks from my elementary school. And I loved that school and I loved the teachers. Um, and like at the end of the road was the library because we didn't have a library in the school, which was really cool. Are, are you joking um, me right now? Is this like Matilda? Yeah. This sounds like yeah, Matilda. It, it, and it really like when you, it's so funny because when I think about like the whole outside picture, I'm like, wow, that would have been such a nice life. But then like, I remember like it was all kind of like on a big sham from the outside. It's like, this like beautiful thing that I remember so wonderfully and then inside the home I remember like I was always like I would I was like the redheaded stepchild like mm-hmm. my whole life like I was forced I mean at six years old I walked myself to school every day I was not allowed to like be driven take the bus not how far, so how far would you say it was I mean it's only two blocks but as a six-year-old like yeah, that's myself, that's scary. I remember like some mornings that being like really scary. Well, I can um, imagine because sometimes it's super dark too. It's right. not like it's lit all the right. time. And then like upstate, you know, Western New York, it's it's cold in the winter, and so like there would be some mornings where like I would kind of like fuss about needing to walk myself to school, and I knew that like okay, when I go back from school, I'm gonna face the consequences for not wanting to walk to school that morning. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I remember, so my, my mom's grandmother lived with us, my Nana, and um, I remember, you know, I always was the one who, like, middle of the summer, standing in front of the sink doing dishes while everyone else was outside playing in the pool, and, like, I, I would always get grounded from the stupidest things, I mean, like, just ridiculous, and I remember my Nana, um, all of a sudden being taken from our home um, and put into a nursing home. And, you know, I had no idea what was happening. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, like a month or two later, we were packing up our house and we were like being forced out of our home. Um, And that's really when things got really, really dark. Um, What had happened, I guess, and I don't really know, because it's like foggy and, you know, like, when your parents do something wrong and they're narcissists, they don't give you the full, like, straight answer. It's always someone else's fault. But basically, I guess what had happened was um, my, my Nana had money. She had lots of money saved up. My mom was um, awarded the state because when she was about eight months old, her mother was murdered um, by her father, who then committed suicide. And okay. so... She was adopted by my great grandmother, my nana. 
And um, so she was getting money monthly from the state for doing that. Um, and she was just putting it away for my mom. And then she had money of her own because she was a teacher for a very, very long time. And mm-hmm. she had created a really nice nest egg. And um, I guess like my family members on my mom's side thought that they were like siphoning money from my Nana's account without wow. her knowing because she was older. Yeah. And so they brought it to the courts and I guess they were found guilty and were like arrested and had, and it was just this like wild thing. So we moved up to a completely different area. I had to change schools. We moved into this rental property that my stepdad's mother owned. So I just saw my grandma. It was this two story that she had split and put like um, a, a just a piece of wood on the door that could access the upstairs. And then she had installed a full kitchen upstairs. And, you know, so it was this really nice two story home, but no one was renting the upstairs. So she was like, why don't you just take the wood piece down and, and live on both floors? But I guess there were just some electrical issues and that'll come back later too. Um, and that's really when, when things, like I said, got dark. And I think that it was just the fact that like, my mom was so used to not working. She never worked like a day in her life. Um, and my stepdad had to like pick up. He he was, um, I mean, you know, the manager at a Blockbuster. And really? then they went under. That was around the... Because I, I worked at Blockbuster. <laughs> that was around like 2007, 2008 or something like that. Ish, yes, my my brother was born in 2001. Okay. Um, and then when my my stepdad and my mom went through all of those like legal issues, they were like, we can no longer employ you. And then like they were like, you can try to come back another time. And then they went under. And so, you know, like he was trying to find jobs that could pay him the same. Um, they were borrowing a lot of money from my grandmother, and like just he just got really um i think in his own head but then also he was dealing with just a lot of really deep anger issues Mm -hmm. and so like the physical and emotional like mental abuse was just like really bad um he used to tell this story when he first met me about how i was like two years old and like just such a huge like he called me, he told me this on my wedding day actually during our father daughter dance. He said that I was a sniveling brat and like I was unbearable. And um, then he said um, that he had like gotten me under control. He could just look at me and I would just sit down and start crying. And like, so he didn't even need to say anything or like put his hands on me because he just had to look at me and I would just like shut down. And I was like, okay, so that's cue number one. I was afraid of you. Not that you had like good management. Um, and then like, it was, it was like that my whole life with him. Like he was just like a very big fear-based guy. Um, and he was like, he needed to be in control and like needed to feel as though he was being respected and if he felt at all that he wasn't then that was a big problem like if you know you you challenged him at all like oh god it was yeah it was awful so then in in that apartment building there were just like time after time after time that i can 
like remember just so like vividly like that things just were really not good and just were never going to be good again um you know around what age were you when i guess this started happening my brother was little when we moved in he was maybe two so this was 2004 2005 so maybe that's nine ten years mm-hmm. old um yeah and um like it, it was little things like um you know if i he thought I was talking back. I was grounded for like two, three weeks. And for him, grounded is not like, oh, you can't go to a friend's house. It's like, you're in full lockdown, like no technology, like don't make a sound. You really shouldn't be coming out and going to the bathroom unless you've asked permission, which sometimes led to other problems. And then that was an even bigger problem. Um, yeah, it was, it was really bad. Um, so one of the times that I can remember um, first of all, it was around Christmas time because I remember we'd started Christmas morning with my mom, like crying at the Christmas tree because my stepdad just, we couldn't have like, there was not a birthday, a Christmas and Easter where like we weren't crying because it's like, he didn't want anyone else to enjoy anything. And so then I had gotten, um, like a curling iron. Christmas and so I was in my room and I had plugged it in and I had set like a pillow next to me with a hairbrush on it and then like the curling iron and he walked in and he thought that I had like put the pillow like on too close to the curling iron on top of it and so he grabbed the cord of the curling iron and yanked it so hard out of the wall it ripped the whole plug out like everything it ripped all the electrical I mean he had yanked it hard and right outside of our room was the dining room and it had it was like wood floors but it had like a coating on it mm-hmm. and he dragged he grabbed me by my ankle and he dragged me into the dining room with the curling iron in hand and like there still to this day probably are claw marks across the floor from like where i was dragged and between his one hand and then the curling iron he i mean he just went to town like one hand after the other and then when i finally had like gotten away from him and had backed myself up against the wall i pulled my knees to my chest and my mom was standing in the corner crying like she usually was because she never said anything about it um he grabbed the curling iron and pressed it up against my knee and he was like you could have killed the whole family and then he sent me to the upstairs part of the apartment complex, um, which, like I said, there there was no electric, so there was no heat, there was no running water up there, and it's the middle of winter in New York. And he sent me up there, and that's where I was grounded for two weeks. And so, you know, we're on winter break. There's I could I didn't even have the solace of going to school at that time. Mm-hmm. So you're and basically was, all by yourself, and there's nothing upstairs. Right. So, and it was like that often um you know anytime i would get grounded there was this family friend group of ours that was my stepdad's friends from high school they still are like such good friends of of mine um and when we would go to their house if i were grounded i'd have to do um i'd have to stay in the corner and we'd have to do like nose and toes i don't know if you know what that is but 
my nose would need to be touching the corner and the both of my big toes would need to be touching the big corner. It sounds familiar, but no, I, I haven't heard that explained now. Yeah. So if we were out anywhere and we were grounded, like that's what we, I mean, anywhere we would have to do that. And there would be times where we'd be at this friend's house. I mean, you know how it gets when you're there with your kids, like you just play and you're, you're chatting with your friends. It could be hours. And I would, I would be standing there for like hours on end. And then sometimes we'd end up staying the night and he would say like, okay, well you can sit down in the corner and like sleep. Um, and so like, there would be like steam all built up on the corner, you know, like from condensation, yeah. from breath, you know, and I would be standing there for five, like, seven hours straight um and honestly i prefer that sometimes to like what i knew could be happening so yeah the worst then, case scenario yeah. yeah yeah um and so i mean i could go like on and on about all of, like the physical abuse but thankfully it seemed i mean there are only two moments that I can remember where my siblings got it worse than I did. Um, one of the times I remember my stepdad was in their room, you know, spanking my sister. I don't even know if you can call it that because it, it really wasn't much Spanking is a, a nicer way to say it, I guess. Yeah. And I remember it stopped finally and I was like, oh, God, it's like it's over. And all I hear is, um, you need to get me the lotion because her skin is splitting. And like, then he kept going. He lo lotioned, I guess, and kept going. Um, and then my brother was young, um, and he pissed my stepdad off. And um, my stepdad, who is a six foot three, you know, four hundred plus pound man, he's not a small guy. You say four hundred um, pounds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, um, he punched my brother in the chest, like dead center in the chest. Wow. Um, took the wind right out of him. And thankfully that was all that happened because just a little bit over up, you know, you don't. Yeah. I mean, his, his arm must weigh like 60 pounds. And if right. he's six, three coming down with gravity, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, that's very yeah. lucky then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, but he's, you know, he's down on the ground winded, obviously my stepdad is still going get up here you're so ridiculous you know and so that's what it was like all the time um and i don't really ever remember when it stopped like the physical abuse stopped i just remember like it was con it was just like the constant fear of anything like he would you know like i had his footsteps in the house memory it was eggshells basically all the time and yeah. you you kind of knew you had a lane that you felt like you had to stay in and yeah. you knew yeah mm -hmm. i mean i mean yeah. obviously i i don't understand i i don't understand how that is but for some reason i understand that mentality in my head where it's like right. you know exactly what's i mean my dad had a temper but mm -hmm. not to that level but you knew you knew the triggers yeah. you knew right. what really set them off and you right. knew what never to say exactly yeah and unfortunately it got to the point where it was like yeah you knew the triggers but like surprise here's a new one today you know yeah external um, stuff from work where they mm -hmm. they just come yeah. primed like yeah. no matter what you do exactly 
And um, I think it all really culminated. Um, we, so the apartment building that we lived in was just literally kitty corner. Like you had to walk down the street and then down another street just a little bit. And my grandmother lived there. So it was not far from her home. Mm-hmm. And um, so we eventually needed to move in with her because it got so bad. So we moved in with her, um, which ended up being kind of like a saving grace, I think, because my grandmother would have never allowed that. Um, and so that's, I think, kind of where it tapered off just a little bit. But during that time, my stepdad had to go to the doctor for something and realized that he had a testosterone deficiency, which... Very surprising on on paper. Well, not it even is. on paper, based on what you've told me so far. It is, but one of the um, big, I guess, like symptoms or side effects of that can be like a really big temper. And so, really, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, that's what I was told. I never wow. followed up with my own research, but he had to get every like once a month. He had to get shots in his thigh for a long time. Um, I don't know for, like how long, but. Um, but yeah, so and then once that that started happening, I noticed that like I think all of the physical like abuse kind of stopped. Um, but even now, like he's very manipulative and like narcissistic, and so I I genuinely think that he has like the narcissistic personality disorder, um, because that's the only thing that I can think of to to like having gone through what I went through. Still, if I were to bring it up have it be turned back on me and make me feel like like I'm the guilty one like so yeah and um there and finally you know at one point so we're living with my grandmother my uh let's see what my freshman year like between my freshman and sophomore year my stepdad and my mom decided that they were going to split up um Things just like weren't working, and I was like, "Okay, this is a new start. Like, it'll be fine." Things weren't working. Yeah, I don't know if you 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 said sophomore year of high school or college. Yeah, high school. Oh, okay. Um, so that's, I mean, that's at least good news. Yeah, we'll see. Well, so they couldn't afford to not live in the same home, though. So my stepdad stayed upstairs where our bedrooms were, and then my mom moved downstairs. Um, and. So my stepdad then moved my mom's best friend in and they started today. And my mom, I mean, she hadn't been single since I was little. And so she kind of, I guess, started selling her wild oats. So like if they weren't already um, like childish enough and not doing their jobs enough, like I had to really pick up the slack even more. you know, I was the one like cooking dinners and making sure that like like all the laundry was done, um, all homework was done for time. your brother and sister, right? Yeah, getting them up in the morning. Because um, they're in elementary yeah. school at this point, maybe one yeah. of them's in middle mm-hmm. school. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. I I don't even like it was just kind of like, yeah, and I and so I was like a really bitter like I was not a fun sister because I was like just yeah. doing everything else, you know. I was working with my grandma so that we could have groceries and she worked the overnight shift at Walmart. She worked there for like so long, like 30 plus years. Um, you're you're so, like a real version of uh, Fiona from Shameless, basically. Kind of, yeah. Except for um, not five other kids, but right. Exactly. Still. And thankfully there was no substance abuse. I mean, yeah. 
when I think of like the silver linings, I think like, okay, there was no substance abuse, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny for a lot of people when they're in bad situations, that's the best way to keep going is it could always mm -hmm. be worse. Right. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, I'll think to myself when I'm like, yeah, I had it like really rough, like where I'm talking to my therapist and I'm like, but maybe I'm like, maybe I'm like making it worse in my own head. Like maybe it's not as bad as like I thought it was. And my therapist is like, I think you're mistaken. <laughs> like, but that's not what you endured was not good in the slightest. Like, does your therapist say that just because it's been so long that it's just like out of like out of your head, or if you've kind of pushed it, like you don't you try not to think about it at all anymore? Um, I think that my not problem, but like what I've done kind of to pad it for myself is like I make like I make jokes about it a lot. I'm sure that like maybe Kara has told you a little bit where I'm like, where I'll, we'll be in the middle of something and I'll be like, yeah, just like when, you know, this is happening and everyone like pauses and is like looking at me worrisome and they're like, are you okay? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need a moment to go into the closet and cry? And I'm like, guys, ah, it's funny. Like, and they're like, that's not funny. So I think that that's kind of like what I've done. Um, and it wasn't until until like around the time Corey and I got married that I started having like PTSD, like flashbacks for things. And that's really what triggered me to go to therapy because I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Like it would start off small. Like we would be like play wrestling, you know, like whatever. And there was a time where he had like pinned my arms down and he was like, yeah, I, like I won. And I like went into like a full blown like panic attack, like because that was like one of the things that my stepdad did. He was bigger, he was stronger, and he used to do this thing where he would like teach us self-defense, where he would do those things, where he would like climb on top of us and pin us down. Just and let people know she did quotation marks at self-defense. <laughs> yeah. Uh he like pin us down and hold us down and like there were times where he would like hold blankets and sheets over our heads and our faces and like if i ever just like stopped like fighting he, he would get so angry and he'd be like you never stop fighting like you don't ever stop fighting like you always keep going and i'm like i am a i'm a 12 year old girl and you are a 400 pound man like i don't care how hard i keep going like i can't do that do you have any break like broken arms or feet or anything I'm, like that no but there was a time um in fifth grade or no fifth grade fifth grade where um so this lets you know like where my mentality was i was more afraid of sharing with them that i was having a hard time in science and had failed a test than like coming to them and saying i'm having a hard time like i failed this test like i'll try harder so i forged my mom's signature and because when you fill the test you had to provide like parental signature and so my teacher called my dad and so when i got home that was one of the worst times that like i received the spanking again quotation marks around spanking i mean i had bruises from like you know my shoulders down to like the back of my knees and i went in the next day and couldn't sit down and i confided in a friend who sat around me but like I was mad at my teacher because like she got me like spanked and 
So my teacher took me down to the nurse and I made my teacher cry because this is back when like they had to take picture documentation of things. And so I, you know, so embarrassing and to strip me down to like my underwear. And my teacher saw it and had to like leave the nurse's office because she was crying. I mean, because I was just bruised like all the way down. And that was one of the first times that CPS was called. But my stepdad was so like manipulative that every time nothing came of it because he would be like, do you want to go and live on the streets? Because that's where you're going to end up. No one wants you. Like who wants you? No one wants you. Like they're not going to take you. Like you're going to end up nowhere. So there was, so we had our kitchen and then there was a stairwell that had a door to it. And so whenever they would come, he would sit on the stairwell on the door. And if you said anything, which is so funny because like they're there because you're being abusive. But if you said anything about the abuse, you were going to get it. And so we learned like very quickly, like what to say and who to ignore and like what questions to, to answer in certain ways. So, I mean, in my life, I remember three distinct times that CPS was called and came to do welfare checks, but it could be more than that. And I just, yeah, kind of I mean, you were a kid. Like, yeah. I would be surprised if you could remember every time that. Yeah. And you would think after, like, time number two that they'd be like, all right, well, something's yeah. off here. Like. Yeah, you think they would they would have the bruises, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, the pictures of the yeah. bruises. and I know. Yeah. Like, I how know. did how did she get? Because did you have any stares? You know what I mean? Like, right. how do you explain the bruises? Like, I know. And I think because at the time we did have stairs down to our basement. And I think I, I, I honestly don't even remember how we got out of that one because, yeah, like, I mean, when it's that severe, I think what, what other explanation could there be? Yeah. And when you go to school to be a teacher, like I, t- I took a whole class about well, a whole section of a class, maybe about how to report to CPS and what signs to look for. And it's like all the bruising on soft tissues that don't make any sense on shins and elbows and stuff like that like you know that yeah. makes sense but it's like how are we going to get the bruise there you know yeah. yeah 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 it's like when you fall you land on your hands you land on your knees you're mm-hmm. like yeah, it, yeah the rough points and then if you it's like uh when i'm walking with kara this obviously sounds bad but it's like when you when you hold your loved one it mm-hmm. looks abusive from the elbow to the hand yeah. as soon yeah. as Sorry, no, that's wrong. Sorry, from the elbow to the shoulder, it looks abusive. Yes, yeah. But from the elbow to your hand, it looks completely fine. It's just right. It's it's just funny how like one two inch area matters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, surprisingly, like no broken bones. I stitches. Those were all accidental, like it's a true accidents. Um, yeah. I think. That was like one of the things like my stepdad jokes about too is like that whole like joke about your like when you're beating your wife, you don't like break bones because you still need her to clean and stuff. I haven't I heard that one, I, but yeah, like it, it was something like that. That was like a running joke in their friend group. And it's funny because I talk a lot about my stepdad, but like I, I hold my mom kind of more accountable, I think, because my stepdad like to this day he he is like not that it can take back any of it because it was not great and it's interesting the way that your mind can 
make excuses or like heal things. And I think for a lot of that is fear-based because I still would never say any of the things that I need to, to say, to say to him, because he proved to me a few years ago that he still is that same like narcissistic person, but he is a different person than he was. And he realizes that a lot of what he did was very, very wrong. And he has like talked to me briefly about it, but definitely not in detail. I'm guessing he's not in therapy. I don't think so. No. Um, but there was a time when, so my father um, came back into my life when I was 14. Um, Man. Yeah. Missed a lot. And one of the questions that I had asked was like, where were you? Like, why didn't you come back? And they both tell different stories. My mother says that I, he just didn't want me. And so he just decided to go and live a completely different life and just leave me behind. But my dad says, my father says that, like, he would try to come and do visitations and he would try to see me, but my mom would not show up to the visitations or she would make excuses to why she had to cancel, like, that very last minute. And she, he said that the very last time that he tried to come and visit brought my stepmom so that she could meet me. And my stepdad stayed on the front porch and my mom came down and was like she has a new dad now like she doesn't need you and that he was like okay fine to which I, I countered with like okay well I've been calling and writing letters for the past like since I could write and speak for myself so like where were you then and he says he never received any letters so I'm wondering if you know my stepdad and my mom even sent any of the letters or I don't know so I confronted my mom about the varying stories and just said, why are the stories like so different? You know, like, I just don't understand because both sound plausible, but for my own closure, like I, I just need to know. And she called my stepdad and my stepdad called me and this was right before my wedding. So the summer of 2019 and he was like, have I ever talked to you about perspective? And I said, Hello to you too. Like, how are you? And he was like, Have I ever talked to you about perspective? And I was like, Probably. Why? <laughs> like, and he goes on and on about how like one event can have multiple different perspectives and about how not one perspective is the right or wrong perspective. It's just about like varying perceptions of like how things happened. And then he goes on to talk about how like I'm sure people who endured 9-11 all have different perspectives of how it happened and all that and so I left the phone call very like confused and almost it was almost like a threat like we're done talking about this and I was like okay so I'm not going to get any answers from that right now and like I said with with my mom when my stepdad and her split she went on to so hello and what I mean by that is every morning at 5 a.m. when I was waking up because my grandma was getting home and we were like trading off jobs, you know, she was getting home from work and I was getting the kids up for school. So my grandma was making this breakfast and I was packing backpacks. My mom would have a different dialect leaving her bedroom every morning, but she never got that correct. Like this guy, a guy would be leaving and I'd be like, grab a cup of coffee on your way out. I guess, you know, like it was like every morning. I mean, and at then, least have, you had your grandma, though. That, I mean, yeah. 
I Again, hate to say that, but yeah. No, right. no, 100%. And she was like the only reason that I made it through high school because in that same time, my, my mom started dating this guy and my, my grandma was like, no, he cannot come live with us. You know, like I'm not paying for all these people to be in and out of my home. No. And so she moved out and left us kids there. And then my stepdad found like a better job opportunity in uh, like two hours away until he moved out and left us there. And so we were there and it was like, okay, well, what about it? Like the kids? Well, well, it's better for you to have stability there. And while I agree with them, I was like, okay, but again, that put all the weight back on me because my grandma worked overnight. She was not awake during the day. So I would, you know, she would get home. We would do our morning stuff together. When I got home, it was my responsibility. I like, I ironed her work pants. I did all of like the cooking the dishes, all the laundry to get us ready. My grandma would wake up, have dinner with us, and then she would go to work and I was home alone with two kids for the night. And what, like, was, what was your life like outside of school then? Did you hang yeah. out much with friends? I had a small friend group that kind of supported, but they knew nothing. Even Corey knew nothing for a very, very long time. Um, because I was just so embarrassed about it. My, and it wasn't until, um, so my parents decided that they were going to split between my freshman and sophomore year. And I have a quick question. What would yeah. you say if, if people wanted to come over? <laughs> I did have a friend who came over at one point and she never came back. <laughs> um, and this was when, I can't remember if they had split up or not, but our home was not, I mean, it was old. It was an old home. My grandma's parents built it. Mm-hmm. So it was old and it was built, you know, back when, it was, you know, insulation was not really like a big thing. So like it was falling apart. The electric work was shoddy. Did you run up? So, I know you said there was a basement. Did you like, were you fast up those basement stairs? Oh, yeah. If it's that, okay. Cause oh, I mean, yeah. I, I was a firm believer that there was a person always behind me always. Like, after 6 PM, 7 PM, you run up the stairs and you're like, if I'm if I don't run as fast as I can, that person's gonna, They're catch gonna me. get me, and they yeah. haven't called me yet. So, yeah, so I we're start fast keep going. Yeah, yeah no, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, no, that that so in the basement is where we have our laundry, and again, it was my job to do laundry. And there was like the finished part of the basement, and by finished, it was a very loose term, which just meant that they had cemented the floor on one side, and then the other side was on mud floor. And the fixtures and we, were just light bulbs, yeah. or not even light bulbs. There was no, dark areas. They were like, there were dark areas, yeah, that were not lit up at all, or you had to like walk over and pull a yeah, yeah, yeah. switch. And then sometimes and you pull it too hard, breaks the light bulb, and then yes. you don't come down for like three days. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, we lived right next to a creek on one side of us and the woods on the other side. I thought you were going to say a graveyard. No, 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 that was the street. But um, the spiders that we would get down there in that basement were something else like just full-size tarantulas yeah you're, you're talking about the ones that whisper and then as soon as you yes. poke them the eggs start to to spread out or cr- yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. like the spider itself is the size of your entire hand finger oh. mm-hmm. yeah and they're like this is my home now and you're like <laughs> you could have it you know i know you love halloween so that's probably yeah. why that basement it's that basement yeah and so between my like when my parents decided to split up, I was like, I genuinely cannot see my life getting any better. You know, they're splitting up. My responsibilities are somehow getting harder. 
I don't know how I can keep doing this. And so I started planning suicide. And so like, I started like planning it, planning it, like, you know, figuring out what I needed to do. I had figured out like, I, I mean, my, so my great grandfather was like a, a Kansas guy. So like in the basement, we had every tool, rope, everything you could possibly imagine needing. So I was like, okay, I have the materials. Where would I do it? I had planned where I was going to do it. You know, everything. And then uh, that October, I met my husband. And he, you know, because you're in high school, the boys don't care about what you, you're going through. Like no one, and no one knew. So I couldn't, I mean, my parent, my friends knew. I was like, oh yeah, my parents are splitting up. And like, none of my friends had gone through divorce. So they yeah, were like, it's just the cherry like, on the cake, not even the icing. That's right. Yeah. Right. And they were, they were as supportive as it could be, but none of them had gone through anything that I was going through. And their advice, I was like, none of that's ever going to work because you don't know what's happening and you never will. And um, I met Corey and, you know, he was in 11th grade and this 11th grade boy was just so genuinely interested in what was going on in my life. Like the first day that we met, we sat and talked for like an hour and a half where he was actually asking like genuine questions about my life and giving me advice about divorce because his parents were divorced. And like, I was like, okay, like maybe there is a glimmer of hope. So like, I always tell him like, you're, you saved me. Like, this is, you're the one like that kept me here. And so we started to date in 10th and 11th grade. And you're also married to him now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just giving that as a uh, reference yeah. for people listening. Yeah. So we will have been married for four years in October, but together for 13. Um, That's great. Um, on the same exact day, we got married on our anniversary. So. Yeah, so he started to see like little bits of it, but at this point, the physical abuse had ended, and he was just seeing like the really narcissistic behavior from my mom and my stepdad. And at this time, around the time where they were starting to move out, my stepdad moves in with my mom's best friend who is living with us. He also moves in a 17 or an, an eight, a freshly 18 year old girl because he, and I'm putting big air quotes around, around this was polyamorous. Now, from what I've learned about polyamory since then, this was not polyamory. Every every time I think, like, you just bring another layer to this. Keep going. I know. It, and it, and it, it's like that for the rest of like, my whole life. So he moves in this 18-year-old girl, and I'm like 16 turning 17, and I'm like, oh, this is so bad. Like, this is so uncomfortable. I'm going into my senior year. Corey is off of college and I'm, I have to like live with this like all the time you know my mom is you know a walking saloon with the doors just in and out all the time my stepdad has moved in this 18 year old girl like literally she graduated high school last the year before at least she didn't um, go to your same high school right silver that's lining true silver lining and this and they're upstairs there's three people upstairs yeah and then your the mom bedroom oh okay yeah, my my bedroom shared a key wall with them. Okay. And yeah, and my brother was up there with us too. And like, so my mom's best friend and my stepdad would argue all the time because what they were doing was not polyamory. It was it was him controlling the situation. And they would have conversations all the time where he would say like, "Well, if you don't like it, we're done." That's not polyamory. Like that. 
Yeah. That's control over the situation. Like, and he would brag often to anyone who would listen, including me, a teenage girl, about the, the fact that he took the 18 year old's virginity. And like, I knew way too much about their private life. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like that my whole life where I knew a lot more than I should about my parents, my parents' friends. Like, it was, and this is where my mom's struggle with, like, my struggle with my mom comes into play is that, like, she would take highest bidders from her friends for, like, me when I turned 18. Wow. Yeah. And, like, she would send pictures of, like, me in a bikini or she'd snap pictures of me fresh out of the shower or she'd take pictures of me changing and send them to her friends no offense but i thought your dad was the your stepdad was the piece of shit and your mom is just right behind him or in front i can't tell yeah 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 and and like my i think that's maybe why i have like an easier time being like okay i can be cordial but like not lovey with my stepdad but I just have cut ties on my mom altogether because she can she's like continuing the cycle she so she moved out and my sister decided to go with her and she didn't she didn't make my sister go to school she didn't make my sister like do anything my sister got pregnant at 17 and she like let her just drop out of school my sister had like these huge goals she wanted to go to this big art school and and Philadelphia I think it was and she is an amazing artist but she like lost all of that because you can't go without you know my mom was like no she didn't have to do that she just wanted to be our friend not like our parent um well it sounded like she needed a friend she didn't just want to be a friend and I think that that is it and so I spent a lot of time like like looking at like why can't I like forgive her and like let things go but the thing is is that she watched a lot of stuff happen and never protected us and she never saw us as like her first priority ever in any situation it was always the man that she was with that was like her first priority and that continued to be true even after she left and I moved on with my life in college they didn't believe when I filled out my financial aid paperwork that there was zero income in my household from my parents. So every year they had to fill out additional paperwork to prove like, no, we really have no income. And then I would need her to fill out just one extra one sheeter piece of paper so that I could then up my student loans. And let me guess, you had to forge a paper or two. <laughs> you know, I wish that I could have, but I was way too nervous with a legal document. Yeah, that makes but- sense. I mean, Every, to be fair, yeah. I think if anybody checked, I think they would be like, oh, okay. Yeah. They had like five <laughs> seconds in, in yeah. your world. They'd be like, okay, uh, actually, let's double whatever we were yeah. going to give her. <laughs> right. Let's let's also make it so that it's interest-free. Yeah. So, and actually, the only reason I even went to, to college is because of my guidance counselor. Every Monday, we had a running meeting my whole uh, spring semester of my junior year and first semester of my senior year where we would, I would go in, we would write my college essays together. She would look for every possible grant and voucher so that I could get my SATs paid for. I got all of my college applications free. She took care of everything. She set up tours at colleges for me. She drove me home afterward, like everything. 
And at one point she drove to, she drove me home. She drove to my house one time because my mom was not providing me with any of the information that I needed. And she waltzed into my house and she was like, I need like social security number right now. Uh-oh. And like, and my mom just handed it over because like the only reason that she wasn't is because it was a control thing for me. Okay. I, I'm impressed. She still had your social security number. Is there some reason financially yeah. she was getting money for no, that? I, I don't know because um, still to this day, she has my original social security card. She will not give it to me. She refuses to give it to me. And, and obviously, like, I it's had a control to get issue, it sounds yes. like. Yes. And um, as soon as she lost control over me, I became the villain. You know, I went away to college and I started, like, doing things for myself. And I, I became, like, the villain. I was the one who was always the problem. I always was, like, the, the troublemaker. Like, and all I was was breaking generational, like, curses and, and standing up for myself. But, yeah, she. I mean, it was like that all all of my childhood she ever used the phrase you think you're better than me yes all the time and another one of her favorite phrases my husband cracks up at this one because she said that during every conversation we have i am your mother Brittany. you are my daughter and i'm like i didn't forget that's a fact (laughs) yeah yeah you you laid on your back for 30 seconds it's funny you don't act like it you know you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like you say that but right and I've said that many, many, many times to her. And she's still, it's, it's like, yeah. I got a question yeah. before I forget it. Mm-hmm. So you had this amazing librarian and you had this mm-hmm. amazing guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why you became a teacher? Because you had such strong supports in school that were better. That mm-hmm. basically, obviously they got paid, but they they sound like they want to. Also, yeah. did you ever reconnect with that lib- librarian? Um, she passed away. Oh. Yeah, but I tried to uh, when I could. But yeah, I'm friends with my guidance counselor on Facebook, and she writes me on from afar. And I think so. Yeah, I remember um, there was a time. This is another example of my parents being shut. I was grounded, and I was not feeling well. Like I couldn't breathe. My back really hurt. I was coughing all the time. But they thought like I was just trying to get out of being grounded. Yeah. Just trying to like fake it until one time I fell asleep on the couch after we had gotten back from a friend's house where I had to stand in the corner for a little time. And my mom said that she thought I had stopped breathing. So they took me to the doctor and I had severe pneumonia and had to be hospitalized for a week. Did you get fluid in your lungs or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I needed to be on like constant IV bags and I needed, and I was, I was in the hospital for like a whole week. And my mom dropped me off, and I don't remember them ever coming to visit me at all for that entire time. But my first grade teacher, she came by with letters from the kids every day. She would come by and just sit with me for 20 minutes because the hospital was near the school. So um, she drive you she, home after, too. <laughs> you know, I think I walked home. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that would wouldn't be surprising after all of this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was. I think definitely a huge influence and, and I, like as far back as I can remember, and maybe this is why is because like all of my teachers were so amazing that I was like, I, I can see a better life for myself as a teacher. And like, I, I want to help the kids that are like me, maybe. Um, so as far back as I can remember, yeah, like I've always had really great teachers that have made me want to do the same. So what was it like? where you were at your point with sophomore senior year what did it feel like when you i guess started opening letters to colleges 
and you started getting accepted. What did that feel like? <laughs> it's amazing that you'd be leaving. But yeah. the bad thing is you still got your brother and sister there. So what was the feelings yeah. going through your head? I, it was like a bunch of different things because, like you said, it, I was so excited because I was like, okay, I because all I remember in my senior year was that feeling of dread of like, I cannot live the life that they live. I cannot live food stamps and like worrying how I'm going to buy shampoo for myself for the next time I need it. Like, I cannot, I can't do that. And it was like this overwhelming sense of like panic. But yeah, at the same time, I was like, but that means that I have to leave them here and they're going to be here with my grandma. And it was so heartbreaking because my mom moved out, my stepdad was gone, and every single night I would catch my brother having snuck himself out of bed and called my mom and he'd just be sobbing on the phone with my mom. But my grandma was like, you cannot take him because you do not have a stable home for him to be in. He needs to go to school. He needs to make it to school every day. And he needs a place where I know he's going to be eating and like taken care of and but it was just like so hard to know that i was leaving and that i had no idea what was going to happen while i was gone but my husband was like that's also not your responsibility and if you stay just because of them and you get a nine to five job you're going to end up in that cycle again so he was like the best thing you can do is go to college and then you know if you come back then you'll have a better job and you know you can maybe get custody of your siblings like whatever and it was so funny because my mom would open the letters before I even got a chance to and so like I'd get home and like the letter would be open and I'd be like oh okay but I, I definitely because I was struggling with school so much because I had so much else going on I never put the time into studying or really had the, the mental capacity to do so but like I was surprised I even got into any colleges because I was like, how else am I going to get the grades that I need for it? But apparently I did well enough to, to do it. And I got into all of the schools that I applied to. And um, I got in through a program called the um, Educational Opportunity Program, which is a really great program for like low income and um, like struggle, people who struggled with school because you can have a lower um, SAT score and GPA. Mm -hmm. um, than what is required by the college. And so I think that that's also another way that I, I got in. And um, they were a fantastic program. They provided all, like, the extra support that you need. Like, they got all of my textbooks for me. And they they have, like, your first like, freshman year or maybe even sophomore year of college, too, mandatory study hall hours a week. Like, they really are, are in it to, like, ensure your success at college because they know you're coming from... That's so so good to hear. Just yeah. like, you hear about those. And then when you hear scholarship, you hear like people who are like GPA is somehow mm -hmm. a point over 4.0. Right. And like right. they're in all these clubs, but you yeah. never hear the other side of it. Nobody wants to hear those, but those are the right. people who really need it too. I know yeah. it's awesome to be your parents supporting you like 24 seven right. and you're getting good grades. But what, what about your situation? Yeah. Exactly. And so this program was like phenomenal. And I met some really great people. They did a whole, um, the summer before my freshman year, a whole two week long mandatory like orientation. It was like an overnight thing. Was it that was amazing? so nice. Yeah. Because 
like they showed you where all of the like they showed you how to access all of your online stuff they showed you how to study appropriately how to take notes appropriately they showed you how to like where all of the campus buildings were where like it was like you would never would have gotten that otherwise and i wouldn't have known how to navigate that on my own because i'm not like i didn't go on i went on like one college tour you know at that point did you feel like you had imposter syndrome i have struggled with that a lot yes where i feel like because you know my husband lots of people in my life have been like you should be so proud of yourself but i'm like oh what what have i done and people are like you've done all of this. a b c d right but it, yeah it also doesn't feel like like i did it because i'm like well without my guidance counselor i would have never gotten here but then my guidance counselor would say like all i did was help get you there like you did the rest and like i was like okay well i would have never gotten through college if it weren't for you know my husband because he was a huge support he's like i didn't go to new york i didn't go to your classes like so it's i definitely feel that is a big part of it mm -hmm. i think you probably think that because from from what you've said like you had no support system whatsoever right. like at home and just what they did was probably common like support you would have had if you had like a strong like system at right. home right and they were like yeah we we were just I was just obviously these teachers were going above and beyond to help you but and yeah. Corey was just being an amazing partner exactly yeah and it's just yeah. like right it's yeah. just those things that you like I was like okay well you guys are doing so much for me and they're like no like this is just what your parents should have been doing or what your friends would be doing if they if you would just let them in and so yeah even to this day only one of my friends from that friend group knows just a sliver of what happened um they don't know all of it but I also like a part of me is like oh yeah I make a lot of jokes about it and then another part of me is like if I were to ever divulge with some people what truly happened and like the uh, like if I went piece by piece as thoroughly as I need to to have people understand me I would I would make them cry I would I would hurt them and so I'm like a part of me is like I can't do that and so I, that's one of the things I talked to my therapist about and I was like but I also feel like you know that part of bringing that back I'm making so much of this up or I'm I'm, I'm exacerbating it my therapist was like what makes you say that and I'm like well every time that I bring up an incident with any of my family members they're like no that never happened like you're making that up and they were like my therapist was like to play devil's advocate but they might not remember that that actually even happened because for them it was another Tuesday afternoon that was normal but for you that was a traumatic event so that's going to be seared in your brain forever another good and, word gaslighting yeah yes yeah and that's 100% what they did so yeah it's it's wild and I often think like to myself that you know I'm like well you know my my sister had her kids at a young age and she ended up marrying this piece of garbage guy that they're divorced now and my brother he he had big goals he was going to go into the service and then at a part a graduation party before he left he smoked some pot which you know I'm like okay big big deal but when you're going into basic they do a drug test and if you have anything in your system you're out you have to wait a certain you know time period to to reenlist 
And so then I'm like, you know, that guilt comes back in where I'm like, if I had just gone back and tried to get custody, if I had just moved back instead of moving straight to Virginia and starting like my own life, maybe I could have helped to make sure that they could have been successful too. And my husband's like, that's not your job. That was your parents' job to do that. And now I feel like my, my siblings hold a lot of resentment towards me for two things. One is for the way that I, I had to be the mom, and I was not happy about it as a teenager because it took a lot of my freedoms away and it took a lot of like the time and energy that I didn't have for myself to do that. Be a teenager. (laughs) Right. And so now I think more my siblings are more understanding about it and have expressed their gratitude for it, which which I don't I never expect them to do that anyway. Did you did Um, you cry or anything when they I guess did you have any of those moments? With them? No, I don't really let myself show emotion around them. Yeah, I'm pretty cold. And I'm I'm very cognizant of that. Like my my husband has pointed it out that like when my sister falls, he's like, Your tone changes completely. Like you just go very flat and very and I'm like, Yeah, because I spent my whole life like crying about everything. Like crying about everything in my life that was going wrong. It, it could go wrong. It was. And I spent forever like being tortured by everyone around me that like I never want to I never want them to see me shedding another tear again, whether it's happy, sad, or otherwise. Like it's not gonna happen. They're not gonna see it from me. And also like my sister just really gets to me because she has the same issues and complaints about my mother that I've had for my whole life. <laughs> but it'll be one of those things where she'll call me sobbing, sobbing, sobbing about something with my mother, and I'm like. I don't know. Forbid you say, I told you so. Right. And then, but then like two hours later, she's tagging me on a post on Facebook and I'm like, hey girl, I can't get on board with this. I can't. Like, yeah. you know, and my, my brother, I think he is struggling a lot more with the emotional side. I think he got, he got less of the physical abuse and a lot more of like the mental and emotional abuse from my stepdad. And so I think like he's very self-deprecating he's very like down about everything and it's like if you give like an inkling or even a hint of like um a less than positive tone in your voice like you know if i pick up the phone and i'm like hey what's up and i'm not immediately like oh my gosh hi how are you he's like i'm bothering you i'm just gonna go i'm like i'm so sorry i'm annoying you and i'm like yeah so you know, we each have, like, our own pieces of, like, the trauma. Um, my sister, I guess, struggles from, like, the PTSD of it all, too. I think that the hardest part about it all is just feeling like I don't want to equate it to this at all, and I want, but I wonder if it's similar to, like, survivor guilt, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm the one who made it, like, out and has, like, created this, like, better life for myself, and they're still there struggling with everything. What if I had gone back? What if I had done that? I mean, I feel like that's normal. You, it's hard not to compare where you're at to where they're at. I mean, your brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, it right. would be crazy if you didn't compare. And I mean, Corey's 100%, right? It's just hard to tell yourself in your head that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. Just like you said, you're the one who experienced all that. You know what it feels mm-hmm. like. And I would imagine... I'm not saying you you need to feel guilty at all, but like right. you being happy, you having mm-hmm. like 
an amazing husband and amazing yeah. life, amazing environment. Do you feel guilty? Is that? Yeah. yeah. I can imagine yeah. that. You should not feel guilty whatsoever, I but know. nobody's going to be able to tell you that. I know. And if I were to call them and tell them, like, I feel guilty, they'd be like, why? Yeah. And I know that. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, a big struggle. And then, so, with my stepmom and my dad, they have two more boys. Um, one that was born two months after I met him when I was 14. And I think, like, that is also a big part that plays into, like, that needing closure part is that I'm like, well, if my stepmom had never been pregnant, because I struggled with, like, infertility and miscarriages, what if what if she had never been pregnant? Would I, would I know him today? So there's that. And then my uh, youngest brother was born July 5th, the same day as my son, um, the year that I went, the, the summer between my senior year and my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. So they're like significantly younger than I am. I'm very close with the older one. And the younger one, I remember there was a time where I was like tickling him and I was like, he was like, stop. And I was like, tell me I'm the best sister. And he was like, you're not my sister. Because his idea of like a sibling is someone who lives in the house with you. But I was in college. I was like yeah. a full grown woman. And so like, I feel like I have lost a lot of opportunities to be close with my siblings. So when people are like, oh my gosh, you have four siblings. I'm like, yeah, I know really nothing about them. Yeah, like two so, of them I don't really know at all, and then the other two I'm more of like a aunt mom type figure. Yeah, right. So it's hard because like people are always like, "Oh, do you have family that you can go to? Like, you know, with your son?" And I'm like, "No, you know." And I like, prefer not to. Not not to, and not to. You know, my husband has his dad and his brother here, but you know. It's just not the same. And like every every like Mother's Day, Father's Day less so. I think that Mother's Day hits hard for me and like has for like a long time. Where I'm like <sighs> that whole feeling of like maybe I'm being too hard on her. But then I talk to her. And I'm like, nope, I'm not. This is over. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes the memories or the time that's passed kind of like dulls it, and then the actual sharpens the the memories that you had. Yeah. I guess. Right. I think it's even harder that, like, there is no accountability on her end. And so every time that I bring something up, it's always, I'm not some big monster. I'm your mother. It's that statement over and over again. I was not some awful mother. I, like, I did my best. And I'm like, but you, but you didn't. And maybe at some point before you had more freedom without my stepdad, you know, having one in whatever chains you guys had in your marriage. And once you divorced and became like a whole separate evil person on your own, like maybe you did try your best at some point, but there were times where she would purposefully lie to my stepdad about situations that had happened. Because I think that when he was able to exert his frustrations and anger that he had inside of him on us, that their relationship was better. So like there was a time where we were talking and I had told divulged with her before going to school one morning that like I wish I knew my dad. Like I wish I had met him. Like I wish I knew him. I came home from school and my stepdad would like dragged me in by my backpack and was like, we need to pack our stuff. And I was like, what is happening? And he was like, 
do you want to live with your dad so bad? Like, pack your stuff. We're gonna we're gonna see if he wants you. And he made me call him, knowing he was not going to pick up the phone, and leave a voicemail where I was like, "Can you come and get me?" And knowing that this was gonna be a phone call, and he then he he was like, "See, he doesn't want you. He doesn't want you at all." And then he made me call a bunch of other people to see if they wanted me. And no, you know, no one, everyone else was like, what are you talking about? Do you want to come live with me? Like, what's going on? And then he'd make me hang up before I would answer. He'd be like, see, no one wants you. No one else wants you. Like, this is why. And he made me apologize to my mom. And my mom had told him that I had, like, gone out of my way to say that I wanted to live with my dad. And my life would be so much better with my dad. And, like, that never happened. And many situations unfolded like that where there another time you know when i was in high school i had asked my mom if i could go to a basketball game for like it was our last away game for that um our high school and i had all the transportation i just needed to be picked up from the high school parking lot after and it was going to be later and it was a school night and i was never allowed to do things on a school night but she said yes so my stepdad texted me while I'm gone at the basketball game. Where are you? And I was like, I'm at a basketball game, away game. And he was like, Well, you need to find your own ride home then because I never said that you could go. And your mom said that she never said that you could go either. If he like questions her but sees that, you know, he's not happy with her answer, she's going to lie about it to be the one that's favored. Yeah. So that was the way it was like my entire life. And so I'm like, I endured a lot of emotional and physical pain because of that. And she has to be held accountable just as he is. Yeah. So. How can you grow up in a world where your parents are bending the rules and they're basically asking, they're acting just like <laughs> kids that are younger than you? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. It, I'm sorry. No, I appreciate the sentiment, but. I think that the best part that has come from all of this is probably just like being able to be more empathetic because at the time this was not a positive, you know, silver lining, but I had to take on everyone else's emotions so that I knew how to read the room. It was like, okay, I need to be able to know what is he feeling right now so that I can react appropriately and so that I know like what to say and how to act. But now it's made me like a complete empath and I am able to just feel so strongly for, for the people that I care about who I know will appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And so like, because of that, I feel for a long time, they always used to tease me and make me feel really bad because that was my signature thing was I would cry a lot. Like I would, because that's the only thing that I could do to get all of these big feelings that I had out of my body was to cry. So I cried a lot, a lot. But now I'm like proud of that because I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling so strongly and I love so hard because I now like know how to feel things that other people need me to feel. You know, like if someone is, is experienced a loss, I'm going to feel that loss right alongside of them. Like if someone else is happy because they have just gotten the best thing ever in their life, they're finding out that they're having a baby, whatever, I'm going to be able to feel that joy just as strongly as they are for them. And like, that is the best thing possible for me because I'm able to love the people that I love so deeply. And that is, that is a really special thing. Oh, that's awesome. So for my last question, 
what is something that your I was I'm gonna say your grandma did that yeah. you'd like to pass on? It could be like a tradition or a value, anything you think. And this can you can add as many to this as you want. Some things that you kind of want to uh, stress with raising your children. One of the things that my grandma taught me growing up was just that things are things are always going to get better if you make them better. So like, while it might not always have been the easiest thing in the world, it was always like, yeah, that's really hard. What's our game plan? And so I think that that's something I want to continue doing with my children is just remembering, like, acknowledge that things are hard for them. Because I think that, interestingly enough, a lot of, like, my sister specifically gets, like, jaded about things with her kids. Like, oh, you think that that was hard? Well, my childhood was harder. Yeah, it was, but her child is not, it's not the same. And so acknowledging, like, that they're hard is hard for them. But what's our game plan? Where are we going to go? Because, like, that was my thing with my grandma. You don't cry about things so long. Cry about it. Get it out. Where are we going? What are we doing? And so that's something that's, like, just really important to me to remember for, for myself, but also for my children. Because, like, their childhood is not, thankfully, going to be anything like what I experienced. And because of that, I'm going to be able to say to them, this is so hard for you, but what are we going to do about it? What can I help you do? What, can, what do you need to do on your own that I need to support you with? And so, like, that is going to be really, like, important to me. And that's another thing that my grandma did, too, is that no matter what, like, she was there. You know, she struggled because she was providing for children that weren't her own, and she was there every time. She bought my prom dress for senior year. She drove me to college and picked me up every every break and every time she figured it out. She was there at my college graduation. She would have been there for my master's graduation had she been, you know, well enough. She would have been there for my son's birth um, had she not passed away literally the week before. And she was she was just always there if i needed her if i called her at any time she was going to be there which was all i could have asked for in a, in a home where that was not going to be the case for my my parents so i think you know that alongside of it is just that silently or audibly whatever my kids need i'm, I'm gonna be there no matter what um and then something smaller that's that just is something that my kids will, will know how to do is every year, Christmas and Thanksgiving, we would make pies from scratch, like crust and all. And so that'll be something that we do every year. I did not make them this year because it was just really raw, fresh. But that's, we're going to do that every year. I don't want to buy one if you already have one. I have the perfect <laughs> gift then. Okay. I'll, I'll talk to Kara. See if, okay. if she's, if you've ever mentioned it. Cause I want it to be a surprise. Okay. Cause that, that's going to be, that's like two weeks, three weeks, something like that. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to gauge it. My, and, and the other big thing is try to try to do as much work as possible uh, for the party. Yeah. Cause we were, I, I don't know if you know our story, but the last one we did, I was up till like 2 a.m. blowing up like <laughs> like a 90 balloons. But 
I mean, it, you're only going to have one of those. Or yeah. I mean, obviously, one of those for that show. One for the first one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But though that was great answers. And thank you so much for, for sharing all that stuff. That's I can obviously tell that you've taken a long time to think about this stuff. And it's just amazing. I, I have no words just because yeah. Kara's told me that that you had a, a rough childhood but just to hear all the stuff that you've gone through <laughs> i would just think that like if people could see uh your emotional strength you would just have like huge muscles you know what i mean <laughs> like all the stuff that you've gone through uh it's just amazing thank you yeah i'm i'm proud of that and it's funny cuz i i have friends who've who've gone through like um they've they've lost like both of their parents at like early ages and stuff like mm. that like uh early enough that they were cognizant of like what was going on and stuff like mm. that and they're some of the toughest people i know mm -hmm. but also the most like emotionally like mature and mature people you thoughtful. know what i mean like yeah and and they might not like you would think like for some stuff they would cry but then other stuff just mm -hmm. like break down and mm -hmm. and breakdown is is not a, a correct word but right you know, like i know what you yeah be able to relieve like show what they're feeling mm -hmm. and those people they're so strong but they had to go through that stuff right to be that way you're going to be able to translate all that strength to your child That's the um, without all the trauma yeah but thanks again for being on i really appreciate it thank you for having me yeah i hope i hope it was fun i i try to at least make it enjoyable <laughs> and not stressful for anyone i find that talking about it is it's more like therapeutic than it used to be you know it used to be like we're not talking about this and and then it come it then it turned into like i'm joking about this but people are really concerned because the jokes are very dark yeah. and then you know, I, I went to, and then I, you know, like I said, started experiencing like the PTSD flashbacks and went to therapy and she was like, all of these things are normal responses, but like, we gotta do a little something. So yeah. Yeah. No, we're good. If you like this week's episode of people more interesting than me, please follow me on Apple podcasts. So you won't miss out on more episodes like these.